think a lot of times our image of God from time to time gets flawed and corrupted. We don't really see God as he actually is. One of the ways that happens, I think, is our image of God punishing us. We tend to have a very human image of divine punishment rather than a divine image. And so a lot of times what happens is we get caught up in maybe one sin or another. We know that we're not following God's laws. We're doing something uh, with full knowledge that we're not following him. And we think God is just, he's mad at us. He's cut us off. And, um, and, and you know, he's going he's gonna to punish me by cutting me off and being mad at me. This image of God being mad. It's not actually how God works. God does not ever cut us off. And when God does allow for certain punishments to take place, they're always for the sake of mercy. God's mercy is beautiful. As many of the saints have said, It's his greatest characteristic. And so what happens is, sometimes God actually allows us to feel the consequence of our sins. A lot of times, I think he actually holds back some of the effects that our sins are breaking of God's own law. I think he holds back the consequences for those very often. But sometimes, for our good, he allows us to feel the ramifications of some of these actions. I'm reminded of my own life. And when I got to college, particularly, I just started to live the very hedonistic college lifestyle. And it was without question the most sad I have ever been in my life for about a period of a year and a half or so. And I felt depressed and I didn't know why. Well, it was because of my own actions. It was because of the way that I was living life, which is the way that is promoted in most college campuses, that lifestyle giving in to our base desires, not living according to God and in proper relationship with one another. And so those sins, they have ramifications. They do a lot of damage to the soul. And I was feeling the ramifications of that. I was, I was sad. I was angry. had a pain inside of me. But it was in that pain that God allowed me to feel, it was in that pain that emerged something very beautiful and perhaps the greatest movement that's happened in my life, which was really falling in love with God in a deep way and taking to heart the things that I had learned growing up and accepting Christ in the church in a beautiful way that was transformative and that changed my life from that point forward. 
and to being a life where I was able to experience this life in God and the joy that came with that. It's phenomenal. That's why I'm here today. It was in that place, though, of darkness that I was vulnerable to the light and vulnerable to what God calls repentance, which is kind of what the whole season of Lent is all about. And so we hear these things clearly in our first reading and in our gospel. In our first reading, the context is in the history of the Jewish people, perhaps the most dramatic event in their history happened in what's called the Babylonian exile, where everything that they held dear in their culture in their religious life, in their social life, was completely and utterly destroyed. A thousand years of this nation, this people of Israel, starting with Abraham in, well, in probably 1800 BC, moving on to Moses, moving on to David, the kingdom of Israel, and all of that is just smashed destroyed, the temple is burned, economic life gone, they become servants of another people, and they get exiled, taken out of the land that they and their ancestors and their ancestors' ancestors had lived on. And it felt like everything was at its all-time worst. So listen to the first reading in that context. Early and often did the Lord, the God of their fathers, send his messengers to them. He's talking to the Jewish people. For he had compassion on his people and his dwelling place, which is the temple in Jerusalem. But they mocked the messengers of God, despised his warnings, and they scoffed at his prophets. Prophets here are the mouthpiece of God, those who speak for God. Until the anger of the Lord against his people was so inflamed that there was no remedy. It's kind of the last option. Their enemies burnt the house of God, one of the ancient wonders of the world, the temple in Jerusalem. They burnt it, tore down the walls of Jerusalem, set all its palaces on fire, destroyed all its precious objects. Those who escaped the sword were carried off as captives into Babylon. There they became servants of the king of the Chaldeans and his sons until the kingdom of the Persians came into power. I hear in, in this passage a very strong relevance to what we're living out in society today. Now, this is from my perspective. We have stood on the pillars of Chrysostom and Christianity for 2,000 years. Basically, the entire world, particularly the Western world, has been Christian for 2,000 years. 
We have stood on these virtues and these principles of Jesus. And in the past 50 years, especially, it's been visible. Two world wars don't really help. That was a little bit before 50 years ago. But in the past 50 years, starting with the cultural and sexual revolution of the 1960s, we start to see the death of Christianity, of this civilization that we value so much and love so much. And I can't help but see the context of this is so relevant. How many ways have we completely, as a, as a secular culture and in the Catholic Church itself, ignored the prophets? How many scandals have we had in the church? How many ways have we walked away from God and society as a whole in our culture? And in this passage that I hear, I think of John Paul II as a great prophet of our times. And when we hear God sent his prophets, I think of Pope Paul VI, who talked about sexual ethics in a way that people scoffed at him. You people in the church are antiquated. Now we see the result of not listening to the prophets. We see that the family unit as a whole is in complete and utter destruction in a way that is not healthy for our human anthropology. And so we don't have intact families like we used to in a robust way in our culture. We see people largely leaving their faiths, Catholic, Protestant, and otherwise, in a massive exodus. We see the desolation of the temple described in the first reading. Think of this Equality Act, which you could look up on the USCCB website if you'd like, which is basically, it just got passed by the House a couple weeks ago. It's basically, it might as well be called the Anti-Catholic Act. It suppresses religious liberty. The Catholic Church will be forced to close many institutions down, most likely, if this fully goes through. Uh, promotes abortion wholesale, tax dollar funding, promotes operations that we don't believe in as Catholics. And I don't want to get too caught up in this. But the ramifications of our inequities. And so there's temptations for all of us as we see our temple destroyed, as we see our culture, which we love so much in the West, the Christian culture, as we see it kind of falling apart in the way that Jerusalem did two, 3,000 years ago, there's a temptation towards anxiety and fear. But Jesus does not want us to have anxiety and fear when we hear whatever the newest headline is that points to this, this, this decimation of the temple. Jesus reminds us in the Gospel that sometimes, in a very strange way, just like with the serpents in the book of Exodus, 
the bronze serpent, the poison itself becomes the antidote. And ultimately, God's plan will prevail. We know it happens at the end. God ultimately triumphs. He will always triumph. God's mercy is triumphant. The cross didn't seem like a triumph. The bruised, beaten body of Jesus, the desolation of that temple, did not seem like a victory. It seemed like all had been lost. But soon came the resurrection, and Jesus wants us to put all of our hope and our trust in him, and we ought not get discouraged as people of faith, because God has saved his people. He did restore the temple after this event. He is restoring his own temple. Jesus, we ask you to give us the virtue of hope, especially when we feel discouraged, we feel kind of downtrodden as some of the discouragement of our times sets in. Please, Lord, help our families to continue to stay close with you, to be safe spiritually during these times. Please bring great good out of evil. We trust in you. We trust in the triumph of the cross as the source of all life. We know that the Father did not send Christ into the world except for saving us. We ask you to save us, Lord. Bless us. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. And let us take a few moments in silent prayer.